in the morning when you need the news that matters most. They can kiss my f***ing ass right downtown and print it. You need the front page. All these mother editorials. On the press box. They're really, really behind you around here. My f***ing ass. With Graney and Bischoff. Rip them mother Rip them fucking suckers like the f***ing players. Again, the breaking news this morning, Derek Carr and the Raiders have signed an extension, an extra three years for $121.5 million. That means he is under contract for the next four years. Uh, as we details on that, we'll bring them to you. I have not seen the guaranteed money yet. Um, Deshaun Watson got his fully guaranteed from the Cleveland Browns. Uh, Matt Stafford got about, uh, I think it was $130 million of his guaranteed from the la rams so we'll see what the guaranteed money is because that will tell a story maybe more so than the actual total dollar amount and years that Derek carr got but in the front page we start with the washington football team they are uh under a congressional investigation as a part of this investigation there have been new documents new allegations unfolded Washington has withheld ticket revenue from the NFL. That came out a couple <laughs> weeks ago. Now we know that dollar amount is $5 million, according to this congressional investigation. The Washington commanders had two different books, two different accounting books, one to show the NFL and one to show their actual ticket revenues to Dan Snyder and the owners. Um they apparently were not paying back deposits to season ticket holders that the season ticket holders were owed. I'm not exactly sure how they got away with that if season ticket holders weren't complaining about it. But apparently $5 million is how much they have withheld from the NFL because they're supposed to be revenue sharing with ticket sales. Could this be more of a disastrous of a franchise? I is there don't any think chance? So. Is there any chance any more is a disaster than these guys? I don't and think this so. owner? And how is he still the owner? Because they're not even... Like, it's not even like, oh, they're good on the field. No, they're, no. they're bad at no. everything. Like, I, what, what do they have? Terry McLaurin and Chase yeah, Young? Like, I guess horrible. that's the non-disasters of that team. Like, it's on the field, off the field, front office, the owners, especially the owner. It's a nightmare. And I, surely he loses the team, right? Like, well, there why hasn't that happened yet? Like, why how these other owners gotten together yeah. and, and said, look, you've got to go now? I mean, of everything that's happened in Washington, he probably should have already lost the team. But now I I have to imagine, have to imagine if this comes and, and ends up being proven true. Because again, these are still considered allegations. If this ends up being proven true, that they withheld millions of dollars in ticket revenue from the NFL, from the other owners, I have to imagine he's gone. That, that they are not going to let Dan Snyder keep that team. And not just, hey, your wife runs it now. I have to imagine... The Snyder family is completely done with the with the Washington Commanders after this. I don't care about him. Next question. The story in the Review Journal, uh, going back a couple years ago to a Damon Arnett car crash. Um, that's already it, it has been reported that he was in this car crash where he hit another car on his way to practice and then ended up leaving the scene of an accident to go to a meeting because he was late to a team meeting. Well, the Review Journal. Uh, had a story yesterday uh some more reporting on this damon arnett crashes into a car he switches seats with someone in the car to make it seem like he was not driving uh because he was late to that team meeting someone else came and picked him up 
and took him to that team meeting. And then somehow Henry Ruggs' younger brother's involved here. <laughs> he came to the scene and Henry Ruggs' younger brother told police that Damon Arnett wasn't driving, which he was, and then offered a jersey to the police officers saying, quote, I promise you, I'll get you the jersey today. Not as in, you know what I'm saying, like a bribe right here or nothing <laughs> like that. A chance to give. Wow. This is what a great, what great reporting by the Review Journal. Can you imagine this? And and why wouldn't why would the cop ever think it's a bribe? I'll get you a jersey. You're not as in you know what I'm saying, like a bribe right here, nothing like that. Um, I mean, how many how many rental cars did we have him crashing? Uh, four. And four. I, I think this was one of them. Yeah, four I hope rental this cars. This was one of them. Yeah, this would have been bad if it wasn't one of the rental cars of his own car, because then we're up to five cars being crashed. Um, look. These guys are gone. Uh, still really good reporting, but complete nightmares on most of these guys. And it's probably obviously good for the franchise that they've moved on. How was Henry Ruggs' younger brother the uh, one he had to be living with, to... He had to be living with Henry, right? And um, maybe Henry maybe Henry made the meeting on time. And uh, <laughs> he had to call his younger brother. So he had to be living with him. So he said, you go over there and take care of this. The younger brother, not the sharpest tool, right? Uh, here's a jersey. It's not a bribe. No, no, no not no, a bribe. No. But I'll, I'll get you a jersey. You don't worry about it. Wow. Sorry. Um, I got you. Thank you. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> Brendan Brisson signed a tryout contract with the Silver Knights. Brisson was a first-round pick in 2020 for the Golden Knights. He played at Michigan, uh, so finished up his college career and goes pro. Uh, he ended up signing a tryout contract because if he had signed a real contract, it would have burned a year on his entry-level deal, uh, which I'm guessing the Golden Knights did not want to do that. So he will play for the Henderson Silver Knights uh, for Looking the little bit of time this left kid. in the season. Yeah, Man, um, the, uh, the, the, the fanfare around him. The Michigan and all the tweeting, and I, I knew more about this guy than any Michigan football or basketball player. So, uh, yeah, looking forward to watching him play. And I think I think it was reported yesterday that now he can just turn around and sign the entry level. Yes, after this season yeah. ends. Well, I think he might be able to sign it before, but after this season ends, he can sign it that'll start next year, so that you get a full year on that entry level contract. It's a it's interesting from a organization standpoint because this team does not exactly have good prospects because they've basically traded them all away traded away any of the good ones they had or even the picks before they got the prospects uh so brisson kind of represents a little bit of hope uh, for an organization that doesn't have that type of prospect hope that the a lot of teams end up do having so i'm curious to see well a if they hold on to them but b the golden knights have not had the cheap good player that a lot of organizations right, have right and it's because they've traded away their first round picks for actual for actual stars, guys who make 10 million which, a year Right. is I mean, they've been good for the entirety of their history, so it's not like that's a massive issue. But it does feel like at some point, given how many how top-loaded they are in terms of big contracts, they are going to need somebody who makes the league minimum, who is more than just Nick Waugh, who is an actual difference maker. And that maybe is Brendan Brisson. Oh, Next question. Standing in your corner. Next question. Real Madrid beat Chelsea 5-4 on aggregate to advance to the semifinals of the Champions League yesterday. So, 
Champions League, they do two two game uh, series basically. Real Madrid went to London and beat Chelsea three one last week. Chelsea though scored the first three goals yesterday in Spain. So Chelsea had a three nothing lead in the seventy fifth minute, which meant on aggregate they were leading four to three and would be advancing to the semifinals. Real Madrid then scored in the 80th minute to tie it up, and then Karim Benzema scored in the 96th minute, to which was ultimately the game winner. Karim Benzema scored four goals over these two games against Chelsea. He also had a hat-trick last round to knock out PSG. He has been unbelievable, and yesterday's game was incredible. The Champions League is always great. Did Karim uh, knock a kid's phone out of his hands as he was hey. leaving the pitch? He did not do that. Okay. Uh, he All actually right. has had his hand taped up for like a month oh, or something Oh, well, then he like couldn't that. do that. So he might have, somebody might have slapped his hand, his <laughs> phone out of his hand. That might be the problem. Um, also in the Champions League, Bayern Munich got knocked out yesterday by Villarreal, who I think is seventh in La Liga in Spain. They've been on a Cinderella run through the Champions League. They knocked out Bayern Munich yesterday. Today, to decide the other two semifinals, Atletico Madrid plays Man City and Liverpool plays Benfica. I think Liverpool's up 3-1, so they're probably advancing. Man City's got a 1-0 lead on Atletico Madrid. <laughs> on the road in Arizona, waiting for the Astros game, doing the show, and you know that Liverpool's up 3-1 against uh, Benfica. Of course. I was wow. Listen, I was, I was impressed driving through the middle of nowhere, Arizona. I was able to watch Chelsea and Real Madrid on my phone. It was, it was a good cell service throughout Arizona. Next question. Travis Etienne was happy to miss last season. He was the Jacksonville Jags first round pick or one of their first round picks here, but missed all of 2022 due to an injury. And yesterday he said, quote, just seeing the results, you're definitely like, if there was any year to miss, I missed a great one. <laughs> I guess he saw what Urban did to that team. That is beautiful. What a quote. I think Travis Etienne might be my favorite yes, player. Yes, that now, is absolutely. Oh, like, I got hurt. That's not not. I was in some pain, but it was better than what these guys went oh, through man. with Urban Meyer. <laughs> imagine, imagine having a team with players who are like, you know, kind of jealous of Travis Etienne. He got hurt last year and didn't have to deal with any of this. I would have rather torn my ACL than deal with Urban Meyer being our head coach. Whispering to him, "Don't come back. Don't come God, back. Just there... wait another year because this guy's a complete lunatic." Has there been a bigger known disaster than Urban Meyer as an NFL head coach? Oh, I was going to say a bigger known disaster is Washington, but maybe not as a coach. Yeah, I just with like, all the fanfare around him and who he was going to be and where he came from and what they expected of him. And, no, I don't think so. And it was like, like everybody, maybe not everybody, but it was like you could see it coming. Like I'm pretty sure right. our the majority of our conversations on this show were like, when does this blow up in his face? Like it was, when does he? How long does he coach? Because he's never handled losing, and he's going to lose a lot with Jacksonville. It's unreal that they hired him and predictable that it went that south that quickly and he was gone man you know that's a great question all right i want to get to this one the kings are not bringing back alvin gentry he was the interim head coach this year uh luke walton uh was gone was supposed to be the head coach um the kings though have one of the most remarkable stats in all of sports since they moved to sacramento this has been the the stretch three different stretches for the kings they moved to sacramento they have 13 straight losing seasons. Oh. They actually made the playoffs once in there, but 13 straight losing seasons. Then they hired Rick Adelman. Rick Adelman had straight winning seasons. Mm -hmm. His first year to his last year, every year he was there, eight straight winning seasons. Rick Adelman leaves. 
16 straight yeah. losing seasons since. Since the Kings have been in Sacramento, they have only had eight winning seasons, and every single one of them have been under Rick Adelman. Look, if if Kobe and the Lakers weren't what they were, that those teams would have gone to the finals. Yeah. I mean, it was just they, had, they always ran into Kobe and Robert Ory making huge shots, but they were really, really good and under Adelman. And, I mean... Was Adelman that good a coach? I don't know. Maybe he was, or they just had better players. But 16 straight losing seasons after eight straight winning seasons with him? What a stat. You are you are looking at the Sacramento Kings history. If you take out the Rick Adelman years, 29 losing seasons in 29 seasons. Oh. That's unreal. It's like we talk about the Raiders not being good. At least they've been to the playoffs twice in yeah. the last two decades. Like they, the Raiders have not been good for a couple of decades, right? Since they lost the Super Bowl, it's it's not been great. But they've at least got some winning seasons. They've at least got some 8-8 eight and eight seasons. They've at least got some postseason appearances. The Kings, 13 straight losing. Rick Adelman, then 16 straight. It's it's unbelievably bad. I, I honestly can't believe it's that bad. All right, coming up next, we'll jump back into the Raiders. The Press Box, path to the draft here on ESPN Las Vegas, 1100 AM and 100.9 FM is brought to you by the iconic Sahara Las Vegas. The Raiders and Derek Carr agreed to a new contract, a three-year extension on top of the one year that he had left on his deal. Uh, we still haven't gotten the details on the guaranteed money, so we, uh, we'll let you know when we see that, if it's 100%, if it's 75%, and see what that means. So, what that means for the draft, though, Ed, we can't really speculate on them trading away Derek Carr, though. No, too bad. A little disappointing. That'd have been, like, that'd have been better speculation than we have to speculate on which uh, prospects might be around on the third day of the draft. Right, which is no fun. No. Like I like, at least we could consider trading. Even if he had signed the new contract but didn't have the no trade clause, we could at least be like, well, they could still do it. But the no trade clause, it's just no fun. It's ridiculous. So now we got to talk about. Who are they going to draft in round three at seven in the morning on Saturday? Like, that's when they're going to pick. So that's just no fun whatsoever. So Derek Carr is going uh, to stick around with the Raiders. Here's a here's a hot take question for you. Will the Raiders regret going all in on Derek Carr? Hot take, no. I don't think is they'll that, regret it. Is that because you think they will have team success? that determines that it's worth it? Or is that because you think Derek Carr will be good enough over the life of this contract that he's not going to be the the guy that gets the blame for the any latter. failures? I don't think have? he'll be the reason if they don't win the AFC West or if the AFC West, I mean, they're not even favored to go to the playoffs right now. I think Adam Hill had, it was pretty big odds this morning that they're not favored to even make the playoffs, but I still think he's good enough. I still think he's a top 10 or 12 quarterback. So I don't think at the end of the into the deal, they're going to look back and say, well, that guy stunk, so that's why we didn't make the playoffs. I think it's going to be more other things. They are in a tough spot as an organization, and I'm not sure exactly what the best path was for this offseason because when you look at the AFC West, there are four good teams in this division. There cannot be four good records no. coming out of the same no. division. I mean, technically, it's possible if they all go undefeated in their non-divisional games or close to it. But in reality, somebody in this division is going to have a bad season. Somebody in this division is going to win seven or eight games and miss the playoffs. There's a legitimate chance 
two teams in this division win seven or eight games and have a bad season. The Raiders are projected, uh, whether it's sports books, whether it's people that do uh, sort of analytical projections, the Raiders are projected to be the worst team in this division. And that's why they're in a tough spot because the Raiders can have a good team. The Raiders can have a playoff level team and miss the playoffs and be the last place team in their division. And so when you look at it from an organizational standpoint, I think there were there were two options to go. Either A, you had to decide to blow it up. You had to decide right. we're not competing. We're going to try to be good in three years, right? That could be one option. That's probably what I would have done. But even that, Herbert Mahomes and aren't going anywhere. You're still going to have a tough division most likely in the future. Or I think the other option, and this is what they did, go all in Try to win. now. Try to and win now. Even, even though the odds are against you, Go all in now, yeah. hope a few things go right for you in season, and that you have a great year, win the division, or maybe win you know 11 games or something like that, and find yourself in the postseason with a shot. And that's what they ended up doing. I think I would have done the opposite, but I don't think it's necessarily wrong because if the Raiders had blown it up, then you're talking about two years, maybe three years of being non-competitive. Maybe even and more then, given that division. Yeah, and then down the line three or four seasons from now, are you confident you're going to be better than Mahomes and the Chiefs? Are you uh, confident you're going Herbert? to be better than Herbert and the Chargers? I, granted, lots of things can happen. Herbert might end up being terrible for the rest of time. But, like, that's not a given that four years from now you're going to be any good. So I don't necessarily blame them for going all in, but I do think three years from now we're going to look back and be like, yeah, Carr probably deserved it. But that wasn't the right move for the Raiders. They really? did not actually accomplish anything. Not that it's going to necessarily be Carr's fault, but we've, we've had this conversation a lot. He is not the quarterback that's going to be the reason you well, win a Super Bowl. No, I don't. I also don't think he might be the reason that you never get there, if you know what I mean. Yes, like, oh, absolutely. I mean, I don't think he's going to be so bad. It's like, well, it's all his fault. And, you know, they never had a chance because of him. But... You know, I'm with you on the fact that I don't know if he's the guy you say can lead you to one. A lot of other things would have to happen. That's why I say I don't think they'll look back and say it was a complete disaster that they gave him this money or they gave him this deal. I think it's going to be other things that, you know, here's the other thing is that there. I also think this is a team-friendly deal in terms of, don't you think, let's say it's 65 guaranteed for the Waller and Renfro deals down the road. I, I'm curious to see how they handle the cap hits. Uh, per year, because like for example, the Devontae Adams contract, I think his cap hit is like eight million dollars this season. Right. But the but the last couple of years on that contract, which he'll probably never see, the cap hits thirty million dollars, or maybe it's forty million dollars for Devontae Adams, which is insane. Now he's never going to play on those. They're going to have to either either they'll re-sign him because he's been great and push it more to the future, or they'll end up letting him go and push it to the future. Either way. But I'm curious to see what the cap hits are. Right? Does Derek Carr have a small cap hit for the first couple of years and then big at the end? Is it big for the first couple of years and small at the end? Or is it evenly spread across these next four seasons? I'm I'm curious to see because that could have an impact on if they can bring back, if they can re-sign both Waller and yeah. Renfro. I think they're, they're going to be able to bring back at least one no matter what. But they're depending on how these cap hits are staggered, there might be a reason to think they only bring back one of Waller or Renfro. If they do, I think it's Renfro. He's younger. I, th yeah. I think that's the right choice, yeah. too. 
I think so. And you can... It's probably easier to have a good passing game without a dominant tight end, yes, whereas you, then, you probably need a pretty good slot receiver, or at least yeah. a number two in some form, which is what Hunter Renfro would be. But yeah, I'm, I'm again, hopefully, uh, maybe by the end of the show, but at least by tomorrow, we'll have more significant contract details to actually figure this out. Right. I'll give you, I'll give you one more hot take here on Derek Carr. Derek Carr is the worst type of quarterback to have. <laughs> Wait a minute. That's a better hot take than by Monday. The Vegas You're Golden right. Knights will be out of the playoffs. He just You're signed right. 125. You're right. He's the worst type because of quarterback Because he can't get you there, but he's good enough to keep you in yeah. purgatory. He's good enough to convince you that he should be paid that much right. money, right? Like, I, there's no doubt about it. Derek Carr is good enough to deserve the Oh, he that he the got, money right? I, I think we both kind of, like, looked at and just assumed that's what we thought all yeah. along. Like, the, the market is, like, it. The market is what Derek Carr got. It's not like he's not overpaid by any means. No. But that, I think, is the problem is that Derek Carr is getting, I think he's top seven in in terms of money now as far as quarterbacks go. But Derek Carr is not going to win you a Super Bowl. You're, You're not winning the Super Bowl because of Derek Carr. You have to build a great team around him. And the reason it's bad is if you have a terrible quarterback, right? If you draft a guy and he's just got awful. I think I'd rather have that because I know he's awful and I'm not going to pay him. I can keep looking for the quarterback that is going to win me a Super Bowl. Derek Carr is not that guy. And uh, to use, I'll use the the Kansas City Chiefs as a great example. Alex Smith is in that same tier as Derek Carr, right? Alex Smith is a good quarterback. Alex Smith was a good enough quarterback to win a lot of games in Kansas City. Alex Smith was not a quarterback that was going to be the reason you won the Super Bowl. What did Kansas City do? They didn't give Alex Smith a big deal. They drafted Patrick Mahomes and got rid of Alex Smith. And Patrick Mahomes was the quarterback that you can win a Super Bowl because of. The Raiders decided we're going in with with Derek Carr. This is our guy. And I think it's the worst type of quarterback to have because you you can't get to the highest level because of him. He's the worst because he's not good enough. And yet he's good enough to go the first round yeah. of the playoffs. He he puts you in, like you said, purgatory. First round of the playoffs, now, purgatory. Now, I'll I'll say this. What's your goal as an organization? I ask that question all the time. If your goal is to win the Super Bowl, Derek Carr is the worst worst type of quarterback to have. If your goal is to be competitive, make the playoffs, not be an embarrassment, Carr's great, right? Carr's because Carr's a very good quarterback. And you can be competitive, you can go to the playoffs, you can do whatever. Carr's Carr's great for that. But if you're trying to win a Super Bowl, Derek Carr is the worst type of quarterback to have because once he's off his rookie deal, you got to pay him top 10 money, and that makes it so much harder to actually build the rest of the roster, right? We're talking, listen, they've gone out and added a bunch of big names. Who the hell is on this offensive line? No, Who is the, the offensive that's line the for the Raiders? Are we talking about because Carr and Adams and Jones got all this money? Is Derek Carr getting sacked 45 times next year? That's, like, is that yeah. is that happening? So... It, there there become more holes in your and, roster when you pay your quarterback, and Carr's not good enough to overcome those holes. Well, we got to get to Jason Fitz, but let's see what they do in the draft as well because these projections don't even have him taking an offensive lineman early, oh, which is just fun. staggering. Who are you getting in the fifth and sixth round? Listen, listen. Believe in Alex Leatherwood. Alex Leatherwood is the key, Ed. Coming up next, Jason Fitz joins the show. He plays the fiddle and is friends with Sarah Spain. And you are not. It's time for our weekly visit with ESPN's Jason Fitz. Where's Jason? 
what, what are we I doing don't know. here? And this is this is a morning he absolutely should be here with this Derek Carr situation. Unbelievable. My goodness, this is when he should call uh, no matter what. He was on vacation last week. Yeah, we, we gave him last of week that. off. We gave him last week off. We, we gave him yes, last yes. week Yes, yes. We, we allowed him not to call us last week. <laughs> but no Jason Fitz. And here's the thing. He hasn't tweeted this morning either. So he Uh-oh. might not even he might not even does he do you think he knows that Derek Carr has signed an extension? I He's got to uh, know, right? I, I hope Dan, he just woke I think up. Danny got him. Oh, we got we're about to have him. Right? We called him. I kind of hope he just woke up. Yes. And just is now about to find out about Derek Carr. He's on. He's here. That's my home. All right, Jason. Uh, did you just wake up? Oh, no. no, no sheesh. Like, I have been firing on all cylinders. I'm on the East Coast. It's 1130. Oh, that's right. Already done conference calls. Already done draft calls. I've gotten a workout in. I've played with the puppy. Like, let's go. I'm a rolling. All right. I Well, I was just looking through your Twitter. You haven't tweeted this morning. So I was just, I was slightly hoping you didn't know about the Derek Carr extension yet. Uh, I don't. Wait, what? What? I don't. I haven't been on my computer for anything. Oh, what about he's locked in, you don't? baby. You, wait, you don't actually know? You are revealing news to me nice, right now. Nice. I literally just got out of a draft meeting, and there was no conversation about this. Uh, three-year extension on top of it. He's got one year left, so three years, so four more years. It's $121.5 million over the course of that three years, so it's just over $40 million per year for those last three years. If you factor in his current contract, which is one year, 19.7 or 8, it's basically a four-year, $35 million deal for Derek Carr. No no guaranteed money yet. We don't know what the guarantee is. Uh, this is, I mean, what you are saying to me uh, gives me all of the goosebumps and all of the good feels. <laughs> I don't care what the car haters have to say. This is a fair contract on both sides. When you, when you look at it realistically, this is a fair contract for everybody involved because the going rate for a good quarterback is between 35 and $40 million. And the concept that you can't win if you pay your quarterback I actually had stats and info. Go back and look it up for ESPN. And if you go back and look at the last 20 Super Bowls, if you look across the board, there is no empirical data one way or the other that says rookie contracts are better or worse than non-rookie contracts. If you look at playoff quarterbacks, there's no data. And as I've said before, the only thing that you can't have is the highest-paid player at any one position and win a Super Bowl, right? So uh, if you look across the board at the last 20 years, it's about even over the number of quarterbacks that have been on their rookie deals versus the number of quarterbacks that were not on their rookie deals. So I just think everybody needs to relax when it comes to the money and understand that the salary cap is funny money any way you want to look at it. When they want to pay you, they pay you. $35 million bucks a year for Carr is absolutely fair. I think he's going to have an MVP caliber season, and in two years that's going to be viewed as a deal on, that, on this Derek Carr contract. But if it isn't, and if he comes out and he's not great, guess what? Next year's draft class, has a ton of really good quarterbacks. You draft one, you develop him, and you bring him along. Like, this is a win-win. I, I'm, I'm, I'm in love with those numbers. So, two things we don't know. Guaranteed money, although people are speculating about 65. The other thing we want to ask you about, which we were surprised at, and we don't even know how many people have this, he got a no trade. No. Oh, that is – now, that's juicy because that's the uh, ultimate up yours to what I just said, because if the concept is, you know, that, that's juicy, because if the concept is, man, this doesn't play out, we'll just draft somebody and trade Carr for future value. No, you ain't doing that. Like, this this immense Carr is the, the starting quarterback, you know, for at least because they'd have to, to cut him at that point, not trade him. And my God, to cut Derek Carr, things would have had to have gone drastically wrong. So, yeah, no, Derek, Derek Carr is going to be the quarterback until he's, 
in his mid-30s. I, that, that, which is, by the way, I mean, I just, I, I can't say, I just said this on a draft call we were having, as, as everybody, you know, I love Orlovsky and, and the NFL Live crew, and I love uh, Mike Tannenbaum and all these ESPN guys that have been just scouring through these quarterback prospects. But I'm sitting there and I'm like, are we just going to forget the fact that year after year, quarterbacks that are drafted are bust, and for every Herbert that you find in the draft, you're going to find five guys that are nowhere near Herbert. So, to me, the, the devil you know when you are a team that is trying to win right now, and you're a team that's built to try and compete in the West today, you're not rolling the dice on a new quarterback unless you're doing what the 49ers did, taking Trey Lance and then bringing him along slowly. So, you know, this, this buys the Raiders and Carr several years, and it just tells everybody else to sit down, shut up, and color in your books if you're not for it. <laughs> Um, so when we look back in a few years, the Raiders, they, they obviously go all in this year to get Adams, get Chandler Jones, and now signing Derek Carr. Is there a certain level of team success they have to have for you to look back and them not regret what they did this offseason? It's going to be the playoffs. This is, this, is a, this is a playoff or bust mentality for the next three years, right? And that's, I think, one of the Adams contract I had to sort of sink into everybody that, okay, for the next three years, the Raiders are trying to win today. And I don't fault that, by the way, at all. As I've said to you guys before, and I've said nationally repeatedly, you're trying to not only win games, you're trying to win over a new city, right? So winning today will help a lot for the future. So I think they've got to make the playoffs. I, it's extreme when anybody's like, Super Bowl or bust, because, my God, I was sitting on the morning show on ESPN when I was hearing every single day that Mahomes was going to win five, six, seven Super Bowls. Like, that's such a wild thing to put as the expectation because there's so much luck involved. But you better be a Super Bowl caliber team every single year. And if you can, if the Raiders over the next three years can have a run like we see the Chiefs have over the last four years, then it's an absolute success, and it was worth every every ounce. I'm I'm trying to think of you know what else they've done this year, just like you said, and what they haven't done is protect him. Uh, and I don't know if in the fifth or sixth round you're going to find guys to protect him. Is that still a major concern for you? I mean, it's great that he got this contract, but how many times is he going to go down this year? Yeah, that is the biggest concern. And I'd argue that in the third round there's a possibility that, you know, you might fall in love with somebody that's a guard, like an interior lineman. Uh, you can still get quality uh, offensive lineman in the third, fourth round. But here's the thing that I, I really hits me about this year's draft, because – uh, you know, I asked one of our insiders the other day about trading up, and he said the problem is there aren't a lot of players in this year's draft people will fall in love with. So draft values can be very weird in this year's draft, right? That being said, if I'm a Raiders and I'm looking around at an all-in right-now scenario, and I know that next year's draft is going to be loaded with quarterbacks, and I also know that I got Derek Carr in a situation where I can't take one of those quarterbacks, that means next year's first-round pick has a ton of cachet behind it. There is a ton of value to it because people are accumulating picks for nine move up and get one of these two quarterbacks that everybody's going to be in love with. So if that's the case, I just don't know if I'm the Raiders and there's an offensive lineman that's slipping into the late first round, I don't know that I don't mortgage next year's first rounder to move in. Like I think at this point next year's draft picks are sort of funny money, so why not go ahead and use that to get back into the first round? I'd be aggressive in the first and second rounds trying to get better offensive line help, even if it costs me equity next year. Does this draft suck? Like, we hear it a lot about the quarterbacks, but you said nobody's going to fall in love with anybody. Does this entire draft class suck? It's not that the class sucks. It's that you can put a yeah but at the end of so many of these prospects. Like, 
there are a couple of offensive linemen that don't you, you won't say that to. There's a couple of defensive linemen that you won't say that to. But even think about like the presumptions. Hutchinson's going to be the number one overall pick. When's the last time we were this like under hyped about a top overall pick, right? And and even in Mel's mock that came out today, he's got Sauce Gardner going number two overall. How many people Sauce Gardner thinking, oh, that's the next Charles Woodson? Like that's that's a big jump. So I think what you have in this. Like you, you know, everything comes back to food for me. Like in this draft, you've got a lot of really, really tasty dishes, but you don't have anything that's winning a Michelin star. So the question is: Is somebody going to like jump up to go get a tasty burger, or are they just going to wait and see? You know what burger falls to them? I think this is more of a wait and see draft because there are so many things. There are so many pretty good dishes, but not a lot of. Oh my God, Gordon Ramsay really showed off on that one dish out of this. So that's the difference. Is is. You know, I don't think that you fall as in love. And, and look at the wide receiver class. I mean, you know, we, everybody's in love with Taekwon Norton, the kid out of Baylor that ran so fast, who, by the way, is a great – I think he's going to be a really good – he has the opportunity to be an impactful player. But there are mocks that have him going in the third and mocks that have him going in the sixth. And I think that that's because everything is about what's your favorite flavor of ice cream once you get to that point, and are you passionate enough about it that you're willing to reach for somebody. That's, that's what's going to be – really difficult. Like, are you willing to trade future equity to move up? I just don't know that there's a lot of teams willing to do that this year. Well, Jason, I need, I need your music expertise here real quick. Um, I went and saw BTS at Allegiant Stadium and the sound was atrocious. Anytime they talked between songs had to strain just to understand what they were saying. Why does the sound suck in that stadium for concerts? The sound sucks in that stadium for concerts because they built it to sound loud for games. And I knew that the first time I was at that, that first game with people in it. They built an echo chamber so that it would be thunderously loud whenever the crowd gets loud, right? And it works during the game. Like, Allegiant rocks during the game. The problem is if you build an echo chamber and then you try and put a concert in it, you're never going to be able to keep up with it. And stadiums are already really difficult. We always had to sound check longer whenever we were in a football stadium because they're just not built. For concerts, but if Allegiant ever really wants to be a great concert venue, they would have to completely rework the acoustics in the place. They'd have to essentially install something near the roof that would deaden some of the sound and bounce it back down to the people. That I just don't see them do. Especially with all the other concert venue options, the only reason an act is picking Allegiant to play is because you want to say you sold out a football stadium. That's that's the only reason. There are too many other rooms in that city that sound good to waste your time. And I, I, frankly. As a music nerd, I would never go to a show at Allegiant as much as I love that stadium. And as cool as it would look, I, I just, there's no way. I mean, there's been boy bands, right? But these kids, uh, f- I think we think it was for the sound check. People are going in that place at 5.30 a.m. for a 7.30 show at night. Can you, is there comparable groups or bands to these kids nowadays? It is insane the following that they have. Yeah, I, so I grew up with one of the guys in NSYNC, and, uh, and we've been friends for a long time. And when they were first blowing up, I'll never forget, they played it. They played the Ryman before they were really big in Nashville. And we went to watch college basketball after the show. And this little hole in the wall, and, and uh, his credit card bounced. He couldn't pay for the <laughs> bottle that he ordered. I, I, I had to pay for it. So it was early in their run. And about a year later, I, and I literally mean a year later, they were playing. Uh, they were playing Nissan Stadium in Nashville, and they were playing a football stadium. And it happened so quick that it was just sort of. It, it was wild to see. I've never seen anything. You know, I went from being able to go to a bar an hour after a show with him, and nobody knew who he was, to 
not being able to, to, to go anywhere with him. And, uh, you know, I was around the One Direction tour a little bit. I've got some buddies that worked on that tour, and it was very similar for them. That being said, what makes BTS different is that they are truly global, and we haven't seen a truly global act do. I mean, for anyone that rolls their eyes at BTS, they had more songs in the top 100 at one time than any band ever, including the Beatles, about wow. a year and a half ago. So when you think about their success, it is, and I say this very carefully, while their music will not have the legendary impact that the Beatles have, they are the closest thing I've seen to Beatlemania that you read about in the way that they globally get so many people from so many different cultures to fall in love with everything they do. I'm not, the, the sauce isn't any different, y'all. Like, they're doing the same thing in Sync and Backstreet and One Direction and Do, and there'll be another boy band in, you know, six, seven years or six. They'll always win with that, with that audience, but my God, like, I, I respect the fact that they do it so globally. Well, he is Jason Fitz from ESPN. I'm glad we could break the news to you on the Derek Carr extension. It would be great if we got off here and you found out that we were lying to you this whole time. Yes. <laughs> if, if you were, it was a riveting conversation either way, and I stand by every take. <laughs> Thanks, Jason. Thanks, buddy. Okay. Take care. So there is. There we Jason go. We're, we're now we're now breaking news. That's right. You're Source. welcome, Jason Fitz. Coming up next. All right, we're finally going to get to the lady that glued herself onto there the court go. last night. Live from the Finley Toyota ESPN Las Vegas studios. This is the press box with Granny and Bischoff. Thanks to Jason Fitz for joining us. We are going to have later in the show some Jimmy Buffett tickets to give away. So make sure you stay tuned if you want to go see Jimmy Buffett. Now, we're going to wrap up the 8 o'clock hour. Um, what, what, what happened last night? This woman glued her wrist to the floor as a protest? I believe so at the Minnesota game. Uh, she brought out some Elmers, I believe. You know, when we're back in school and you had the Elmers glue and you're pa- pasting the apples and the oranges in kindergarten on your, on your little sheet there. Uh, I don't know how she glued herself, but she glued herself, or at least attempted to glue herself to the floor. Uh, floor um as a i guess as a protest um to glenn taylor he's he's the owner is that is that is that correct he's the owner of the timberwolves ali laforce who was the sideline reporter for tnt she tweeted yesterday that this woman was protesting uh an animal abuse incident but the way ali ali laforce reported it they had a chicken at some egg farm that Glenn Taylor owns, and they had to put it down because it had the bird flu. Um, I don't know how accurate that is, but that's apparently I don't know. That's being protested. I'm going to say that's accurate because who would make that up? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, that's so outrageous that... Um, not that, Look, I'm not going to get into what they did at the egg farm or anything like that. The, the, the uh, gluing your hand to the floor is a little offbeat. I'll just leave it at that. What okay, I have an important question. What do you what type of glue do you think she used? I don't I'm not a this is going to sound here's a drop. I'm not a glue guy. Uh <laughs> keep that Danny. Uh we'll play that later. Um the only glue I know is Elmer's. I'm serious. Like, I don't I don't glue well, okay, things. Okay. I tape them. You glue comes in different forms, right? There's glue sticks which normally yes, you associate with like, I, okay, with like I, I have kindergartners used those. and yes. construction paper yes, or whatever. I have used those. I, I feel like that would be the worst way to glue something together, right? If you really wanted your hand to stick to the court, the glue stick, you could use the regular Elmer's like you're thinking, just the white <laughs> bottle of glue. Uh, but I also don't think that would get the job. Like if you're going to glue yourself to the court, she had to walk out there with super glue, right? 
Yeah, well, and here's the other thing. How fast how fast did she want to do it? Because obviously she's going to get caught and they're going to like drag her off with yeah. her. You know, I mean, they might not drag off the wrist. That might stay. But someone's dragging <laughs> her off the court. So, yeah, it oh. has to be it has to be Wait. the quickest drying glue around. Okay, hold on. Absolutely brutal mental image for me. <laughs> do you think that some of her skin got oh. stuck to the court? I, I didn't see the kids out there wiping it up like they do sweat, so I'm not oh. sure. I'm not sure if she got enough. I, well, first of all, I would think the referees and everyone there uh, knew she was going on quickly, and obviously right away you're like, what's that person doing on the court? So I don't know if she got out and was able to get her wrist down fast enough before the referees or someone or security came over. There's security people right at the bottom of those uh, of those seats. She had to go through the bottom. She had to go through yeah. the front row. So my guess is they got to her pretty fast and maybe she didn't get her total wrist down glued down listen the the uh most uh, adhesive glue i've ever used there's a there's a super glue that is two different components and they sell it to you in two different tubes and then you mix it together because as soon as you mix it together a it heats up and b it becomes super adhesive and like you don't want to get it on your fingers because your fingers will stick together <laughs> if she used that she might have been able to get her wrist actually stuck to the ground, and there might have been some skin that stuck to the floor oh. when she got pulled up there. No wonder like Cat it... didn't have a good night. He was too much worried about the skin on the floor, and he didn't want to. He didn't want to see that. I I don't. Do you know which Timberwolf player it was that was looking at her when she got down? Like, what's she doing? There was a Timberwolf player that was right next to her that looked very confused as to what was going on. Also, glue yourself to mid court, not the baseline. <laughs>